BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. All right, welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where stroll around LA's night scene and visit a club or two once in a while, and you'll probably find a number of different kinds of extensions. Hair extensions, eyelash extensions, nail extensions. Well, after today, you can add one more extension to that list. A new LeBron James Max extension. Ayo. Finally, some movement in an all-too-stagnant summer for the Lakers, and some big movement at that, with LeBron James signing a new two-year, $97.1 million extension with your Los Angeles Lakers that will take him up to the 2024-25 season. So rejoice for now, because the King is here to stay in LA with the Lakers for a little while longer. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Alan Riley. Alan, I mean, we're recording pretty much, you know, an hour after the news broke and we did not have this plan to talk about, but I guess it's refreshing to talk about some actual new movement. So as a quick icebreaker question, are you surprised at all by LeBron James signing this extension or are you at the very least surprised by the fact that he signed it now? I am not surprised by it. I would have been more surprised if he didn't sign the extension and just became a free agent after this year. Sure. Uh, yeah, that would have been really bad. Um, <laughs> as far as like it happening today, I mean, yeah, it was a pleasant surprise for sure about an hour ago. I wasn't anticipating anything happening. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't even been like tracking it. You know what I mean? Like when he was uh, had the opportunity to sign, I was like, oh, like it could happen now. And it, it wasn't. They had productive conversations to quote everybody. It's like, oh, like, what does that mean? And reading between the lines. So, um, yeah, I guess I was surprised it happened today. But um, yeah, it feels uh, like at least one piece of the puzzle is in place. So kind of right. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You can kind of you can kind of breathe a sigh of relief and I think the one thing that sort of what I get out of it 
pretty much is the fact that at least one domino has fallen. And does that mean other dominoes fall after this happened? Uh, I don't know. You know, you, we could probably read into it and say, well, what made LeBron James sign now versus waiting till Palinka did something? You know, is this a precursor for a big move or trade to come? Obviously, everybody on Twitter, everybody on Twitter is like, Kyrie's coming, you know, or like Miles Turner and Buddy Heald are coming soon. You know, maybe. I don't know. I, I know for sure that when LeBron James signed this extension, he's probably pretty reassured by something, right? Whether it's uh whether it's just a vague affirmation from Rob Palinka that this season is gonna be a competitive contending one, or something more specific. Do you have any read on whether it's a specific person, player like Kyrie Irving, or whether it's more of a PC Rob Palinka says, hey, we're going to get this done. Uh, you signing this deal right now will get us off on the right foot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, in terms of just the strict timing, like they just released the schedule this afternoon, right, for the season. So, you know, we know that LeBron is pretty strategic in just his own like PR stuff. So I think that he wanted to um, like just be a part of the national conversation today. Uh, so, yeah, that's definitely not a coincidence. Um but yeah, as far as just his confidence in the front office and the organization, I mean, I, I do think that there really is something to be said about he's comfortable here in L.A. like with his family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like He's not trying to leave, you know, at this moment when Bryce and Bronny and all them are, you know, getting up there in high school and all that. So um, just as far as like the practical or the practicality of that, I think that's why he's staying. But um, he could have easily held Rob Palinka's, you know, like, what is it? Feet to the coals. I don't know what the idiom is, but you can get to the fire. Do they say that? <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit more visual. But... Let him hang. Yeah. yeah. Um, so sure. I, I guess he could have like held him hostage in that sense. But is that even like a, a legitimate threat? So to speak, I mean, who, who's playing games like that at this point? So uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think that we can choose to believe whatever we want. <laughs> you know, we, we can think that, Oh, something's imminent. And uh just yeah, if you're you're gonna set your expectation there, go for it. Um, I have no expectations ever, right? Like I just want to be <laughs> even keeled, like one day at a time. I know that's not exciting. I know that's not like hot takey. That's super mellow, lukewarmish. But um, that's where my head is at. Like, okay, cool, we got this thing done, and I hope that something else is to come of it. Yeah, well. Even amidst your even keelness, this news today at least spikes it up in a positive direction. Whereas, you know, prior to this, we were going to kind of semi be depressed and talk about the nothingness of it all <laughs> that's been happening, you know, and being in this sort of state of hamster wheel limbo. But instead, we're like, hey, LeBron James has signed an extension. He'll be on for next year and then a player option after that. And at least we have a clearer sense and direction of where we're going because 2023, no more max cap space. So maybe we can build a legitimate team. And we'll get into more of the details of LeBron James' contract and whether we can read into anything else uh, with regards to his signing today. But before we get to all of that, Alan, have you ever worn extensions of any kind? I don't know why I loop back to this, but have you? Ah, <laughs> uh, let's see. Have I worn extensions of any kind? Maybe Halloween? Ah, trying. I was gonna say, what what part of my body can I extend? Right? It's giving me some good ideas. <laughs> uh, I I don't believe I have. No, no. <laughs> Sorry to say. Unfortunately, I haven't either. The only extensions that I use are Google Chrome extensions. Oh my God. A, 
ad block and coupon saver extensions are clutch, by the way. <laughs> are they a sponsor? Is Google one of our sponsors? I hope so. I, I hope so after this. Uh, but Alan, before we get to all of the LeBron James talk, in today's episode, we will talk more about LeBron James extension and then how that affects Kyrie Irving trade discussions, what our pulse is and temperature check is on how that's all going and whether this affects that situation. I mean, it does to some extent. Um, and we'll also maybe talk about some of the quote-unquote other trade options besides Kyrie Irving and the Indiana trade package. But before we get to all of that, Alan, there is some exciting stuff going on in LA this weekend pertaining to the Japanese-American Nisei community. Do you want to plug some of it? Because you are a part of one of the organizations participating. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, currently in Little Tokyo, um, which is, you know, really close to downtown LA, uh, there's a, a thing called Nisei Week which is basically a celebration of Japanese-American culture and history uh, dating back to pre-World War II. And uh, for, for people like myself, who are, like, I'm a fourth-generation Japanese-American, it's a way for us to recognize, you know, all the generations and, like, our ancestors who came before us and when they immigrated here way back. And uh, just want to thank them, right, for, for all the opportunities that they provided through um, a lot of adversity, you know, and difficulties. So... Uh, a part of how I am participating is through taiko. I think, you know, I've mentioned a couple times here on this podcast that I play taiko drums. It's like a really traditional Japanese form of drumming. Really big drums, right? And uh, my group, which is called Makoto Taiko, uh, we're based in Pasadena, very close to the Rose Bowl. We will be performing uh, this Sunday at a thing called Taiko Gathering. And uh, there will actually be like 10 to 12 other taiko groups all playing for like 30 minutes at a time jump on the stage, get off, and it's just like this really cool, festive kind of opportunity for us to just all support each other as a community. Uh, there's going to be like a parade later that evening around like 4 o'clock, I think. It's like the closing ceremonies. So uh, yeah, y'all should go out to Little Tokyo, support all those small businesses that are out there. I'm rocking my Japangelus hat as always. Nice. Japangelus is also out there in Little Tokyo. So go eat some some awesome food. Go check out some people wearing cool like yukata and like kimono and stuff like that and uh, just, just have yourself a good time listening to some taiko there you go be culturally enriched this weekend and take a break from you know the lakers malaise of going through this loop of will the Kyrie irving trade happen or will it not doesn't matter eat a what what, what is the what's the red bean what's the red bean i always get this wrong imagawayaki imagawayaki there you go eat an imagawayaki which <laughs> is a red bean sort of bread pastry uh dessert that i particularly uh, am fond of so yeah watch some taiko and as, as alan said unfortunately like he mentioned he won't be there but just project him onto one of the drummers or something or don't do that that sucks for that particular drummer but just imagine alan's there along with the rest of them uh speaking of uh japanese cultural enrichment alan quick <laughs> quick question what are your thoughts on potentially having japanese native yuta watanabe on this lakers team taking up or not even taking up, but at least fighting for a camp invite spot. A 6'9", versatile Japanese national who is exciting and, you know, he may have gotten dunked by Anthony Edwards and that may be the highlight of his career, but he has a number of other highlights where he is blocking other dunks and other people at the rim, including Gary Payton II. So what are your thoughts about Yuta Watanabe potentially donning the purple and gold? Yeah, I mean... 
I'm not gonna lie and say like I'm not biased and I wouldn't love it. I mean, one of my favorite athletes of all time is Hideo Nomo, who was on the Dodgers in the mid '90s. Uh, he's like my favorite player ever because he's from Japan, right? So if Utah Watanabe were to uh, find himself onto this Lakers squad, uh, I would want. I don't know if I'd like. If they'd even make, like, a t-shirt jersey of his, I would absolutely rock that thing. I would hope mm-hmm. that he partners up with Japangelis and, like, all kinds of things like that. But on the basketball court, um, yeah, like you said, sure, there's the Anthony Edwards, you know, uh, clip of him getting posterized. But, like you said, he has a lot of other, uh, you know, notable, like, block shots because he puts himself in that position. Like, we all know that, like... If you're a good shot blocker, you're going to get posterized from time to time. So he's willing to sacrifice his body and uh, a little bit of pride as well. Like, there's no ego there. Um, but yeah, you're right. He is versatile. He's got some length. That's something that clearly been missing. He's on the younger side. We want, we've got a lot of youth right now. Um, but if he's a, a body that actually has some skill <laughs> as well, um, then, I mean, why not? At least give him an invite, like you said. Um, I, I would imagine that there's some team out there, right, that's going to give him uh, a training camp invite. And if, um, you know, we'll learn about, obviously more about Darvin Ham's, like, system, but knowing that um, he values that versatility on the defensive end of the ball, um, maybe it could be a good fit within our system. And it just adds a little bit more depth. He's a substantial player um, who's got some experience. So, yeah. Yeah, and he's six nine. He gives us that... I mean, we're lacking in six nine guys who can shoot the ball from the outside. He has a really pretty stroke. He's got a motor. He's very active. He reminds me of Alex Caruso with regards to the hustle that he brings forth onto the floor, and you can never be short of guys like that. So we would love you to Watanabe. Just wanted to insert that in there because of the whole Japanese connection, and maybe if he becomes a Laker, they will have more JA nights at Staples Center, and Allen will be performing Taiko on the let's Staples Center floor. So let's uh, will it and prophesy it into existence. The Clippers have a lot of those nights, I and know. I'm come like, come on, Lakers, let's do this. Come thing. on now. <laughs> like, I know. Cool, they even but... have a Filipino american night which is awesome so but regardless we're not here to talk about japanese or filipino american cultural nights as as fun as they would be we're here to talk more about lebron james extension and our temperature check on the kyrie irving trade discussions but before we get to that if we could please ask you guys to do us a favor and give us a five-star rating and review on the apple podcast app that would be amazing if you've already done so or you don't use the apple podcast app then please also head over to your Spotify app and simply click the five-star button on the top of that as well, and that should more than suffice. And I've actually got a little incentive for you guys on your ratings and reviews for us because, Alan, we actually have some other breaking news on this podcast besides LeBron James' extension, and it pertains to our buddy and pal Tommy Alexander, Mr. T. Payne, and some big life changes coming his way soon. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? Because if not, then this will be a very awkward exchange and you'll have to talk to Tommy personally about where y'all's relationship status stands as friends. So what's the big breaking news on Tommy's end? Oh, you want me to break it to the world? Yeah, break it. Oh, shit. You're the Shams on this podcast. Can I uh, give you a little insider, like how it all went down, how I found out? It's pretty funny. And sure. I, and I think uh, Tommy would, would, I don't think he would mind if I said this to uh, the, the entire world. So I was getting dinner with him and uh, our other friend Scott, who has been a guest on this pod like a couple times, you know, a hundred years ago. And uh, we were just eating, got some drinks. We're like, all right, cheers, guys. So it's like, cheers, clink, my wife's pregnant. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) It's like classic freaking Tommy. (laughs) Classic Tommy. It was like, oh my God, it's like out of nowhere. So uh, yeah, that's the breaking news. Dun-dun-dun, dun-dun-dun. 
That is amazing. So yes, Tommy is expecting a baby. If you want to wish him well on the beginning stages of his odyssey as a forthcoming father, then please do so in your podcast reviews, and we'll make sure to send those kind regards his way. And who knows, in a few months or so, you may be hearing a fourth Lakers Legacy co-host babbling about in the background. We know he has a lot of thoughts on Rob Palenka. Uh, so yes, please help <laughs> us do that. All right, with that said, let's, let's uh, talk a little bit more about this uh, King extension, and I'll give you some additional details. So as I mentioned, LeBron James has signed a two-year extension with the Lakers. This is actually his second such max extension. The last one he signed was back in 2020 after the championship season where he extended for $85 million. That one had no options at all, and it took him through or will take him through the end of this season. And this is an extension apart from, obviously, the initial contract that he signed with the Lakers back in 2018. And now he's signing a second extension with the Lakers. And at Pickup Hoop on Twitter, follow him if you don't already. Uh, you know, he pointed out the fact that if LeBron James... So yeah, if LeBron plays out his contract, he'll have played as many seasons with the Lakers as he did his first stint in Cleveland. So that would be a pretty momentous occasion and a pretty big deal, you know, especially as it pertains to LeBron's legacy. So it will be awesome if he takes this the whole way through. Um, As I mentioned, LeBron James has a player option in 2024-25. The thing of note with that is this matches up with Anthony Davis's player option that season as well. So... It could get very interesting very soon. You know, we can take a a sigh of relief for now, but pretty much that 2023-24 season leading up to the 2024-25 season is going to be very interesting because a lot of what happens next season is going to dictate whether or not both LeBron James and Anthony Davis pick up their options because they have the potential to bolt, both of them, you know, so that could get dicey very quickly. Um... And as I mentioned, LeBron James will be, will be making $46 million next year after, this, after his first extension is done this year. And because he's making $46 million, that pretty much slashes the Lakers cap space in 2023 almost in half. They were slated to make, they were slated to potentially have $60 million, but with LeBron James making $46 million, they're only going to have maybe $19 million and won't have enough for max cap space in 2023. And why that's notable for me is maybe the Lakers can finally move forward with a vision of continuity and consistency with regards to the players they take on. Because as you've noticed, every single season, we're very judicious about the contracts we sign. They always have to be at least one-year deals, right? Or if there's a two-year deal, uh, the Lakers have a team option on it. Um, And then with regards to the players that we're trying to trade for, you can almost cross out the players that the Lakers won't trade for because if they have more than two years on their deal, the Lakers probably won't want that player, right? But now with the 2023 landscape for the Lakers looking a little bit more clear, i.e. they won't have max cap space, well now maybe this opens up the trade market for the Lakers. Like for example, people were worried about the Lakers bringing in Buddy Heald because he's going to be making $18 million in 2023. Well, you know, that may not matter anymore because who would the Lakers have used that cap space on anyways, you know? So I think that's the biggest takeaway that I get out of this LeBron James extension outside of him obviously still staying a Laker is the fact that, 
okay, 2023, this next year and the summer of 2023, let's just try and build some continuity and consistency. Maybe we can re-sign Lonnie Walker to a longer deal, you know, after that and start to retain some of these guys using their bird rights without worrying about let's just keep 2023 cap space open. Now, they can obviously free up more cap space by trading away like THT and, you know, doing that kind of stuff. But again, that's And THT may be gone anyways, but I'm just outlining all the different possibilities and just saying, at the very least, we know in 2023, the the Lakers shouldn't be holding out for cap space or, you know, eschewing moves in order to make sure that they have some type of cap space available for 2023. So um, outside of that, I mean, Alan, do you have anything else to add with regards to this extension? I feel like we talked a lot about most of the things at, at the top, but anything else that, you know, may have crossed your mind? I mean, it's just a contrast from the play that we've been making as far as cap space goes for how many years now, (laughs) you know, like we've spent so many hours talking about holding that cap space for max contracts and things like that. And it's as fans, it's it's pretty stressful, (laughs) right? Because it's like, well, what if we don't get anybody? I mean, we've been traumatized by those things in the past. And now, like you said, to have some continuity and a little bit more um, of like a solid picture of what we can, like there are more puzzle pieces in place versus just Mm -hmm. a blank. I don't think puzzles are on a canvas, but you get the idea. Uh, So just, just knowing that, um, like you said, we can actually start to build a team, which I would think when it comes to like a player's mentality, knowing like you're going to be here coaching staff, knowing that this is your squad for the most part that's going to remain intact for more than one season. We're not just going to turn it all over again. Uh, I bet that that has many trickle-down effects, right, that are are hard to measure and, and kind of like see right before you, but zooming out a little bit. Uh, yeah, I think that that's a, a potential positive outcome. Yeah, and to be a little bit more specific, let's say the Lakers don't trade for Kyrie Irving this season, whether it's before training camp or at the trade deadline, they actually don't have very many means to open up max cap space to then sign Kyrie Irving as a free agent in 2023. So if a Kyrie Irving, if the Lakers want Kyrie Irving, they almost have to do it via trade, right? If they want better players, they have to do it via trade. It can't be, let's, let's save cap space because right now they only have $19 million. Yes, they can open up some more, but at the expense of whatever they do this season, you know, they, they'll do that at the expense of whatever players they trade for this season. So if they get a Buddy Heald, if they get a Miles Turner, they can extend Miles Turner and not worry about the ramifications of his extension going into 2023. And mainly as it pertains to Kyrie Irving, the important thing to note is if the Lakers want Kyrie Irving, they can't do this dance where they tell Brooke, the Brooklyn Nets, we'll just wait for him in 2023. So I think that's another interesting angle to take. And the last question I'll ask you, Alan... I think I know your answer, but I'll ask it anyways before we go to break. But there's a faction in L.A. that may may not have been too happy about LeBron James taking this extension and was maybe looking forward to the max cap space and, you know, restructuring the Lakers around Anthony Davis and maybe having LeBron James do that thing that James Harden did and, you know, take a pay cut so that we do have at least $30 million to use in 2023. What are your thoughts on that angle? I mean... For anyone who does watch these videos and doesn't listen, I think that my facial expression <laughs> just said it all. Like, my, my reaction to that is, like, what universe are you living in, <laughs> basically? I mean, 
I think people said the same thing when Kobe got extended, you know, at the end of his mm-hmm. career. Like, he's washed up, he's old, Achilles, blah, blah, blah. Like, what are you guys doing? But, like, this is how our organization does things. This is the culture. We treat our superstars right. This has repercussions and implications for years and years and, like, generations to come. That this is how we do business. And um, if LeBron wanted to take a pick, I mean, I don't know. We're not in the business of, like, telling people how to spend their money or, you know what I mean? Like, no, LeBron's not going to take a pay cut. And, you know, good on James Harden for whatever. But no one's going to blame LeBron for taking that. And um, if you are complaining that LeBron signed this max extension, um, just got to accept it. (laughs) Like, I don't know. It's a little (laughs) delusional to be like, what the F about it, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be a faction of the fan base that wants to blow it up and start from the bottom or whatever. But, you know, even... Even speaking practically, if you look at the summer of 2023, there aren't very many good free agents. LeBron James is probably the best free agent. And like you mentioned, you know, LeBron James is trying to do something historic here, not only on the basketball court, but also as a all-encompassing mogul, right? I think right now he's like the highest NBA player in history, surpassing Kevin Durant. And so you, you never want to take something like that away from LeBron's legacy, especially because he's doing a lot of good with his money, with the I Promise schools and everything he's doing with media and entertainment. Um, so, so yeah, I, I don't really put too much thought or credence to that notion that uh, having more cap space, having max cap space is better than having LeBron James. Um, so with that said, we'll take it to break. And when we return... Let's talk about where we stand on Kyrie Irving, Indiana Pacers trade discussions, and maybe talk about some of the alternative options and whether we prefer any of those. But yeah, it'll be our typical temperature check on all this uh, sort of bullshit before LeBron James sort of gave us some reprieve with his extension. So we will catch you guys after the turn. All right, Alan, so we're back. Let's talk about... Kyrie Irving, KD, Indiana Pacers trade thoughts. Not a lot has changed since last we talked, but there are there have been some new developments. So let me let me run through some tidbits here. There's been new reports that the Knicks and Jazz have re-engaged this past week on Donovan Mitchell trade negotiations. So maybe if there's some movement there, there might also be some movement on the Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving trade fronts as well, because the Donovan Mitchell New York Knicks domino is also one domino that could waterfall the rest of these dominoes, right? Um, with regards to the Nets and KD, there's also a lot of drama regarding, you know, KD's recent stance on it's either me or Nash and Sean Marks, and then Joe Sy saying, we will do what's best for our organization. So, now the question is whether or not KD will hold himself out of training camp. Some added interesting points here as it pertains to the Nets and KD is the fact that we kind of know that there is a package out there from the Boston Celtics that centers around Jalen Brown. And right now, if you look at the landscape of who else is out there as potential suitors for Kevin Durant, I mean, the Jalen Brown-centric package, regardless of what the ancillary pieces are, is probably the best one out there. So it'll be interesting to see whether, you know, the Nets eventually cave and pull the trigger on that deal. Um, with regards to Kyrie Irving, he's apparently fine to play out the year in Brooklyn, yada, yada. I guess this Kyrie Irving's feelings and sentiments could change by the hour. So we'll stay updated and monitored on that point. Now, the last time we had you on, it was during the time when news broke that the Indiana Pacers gave an offer sheet to DeAndre Ayton, right? And we were working under the premise that the Indiana Pacers were probably out of the equation because, you know, if they get DeAndre Ayton, they don't have any 
they don't have any cap space to take on Russell Westbrook's contract. Well, lo and behold, the Phoenix Suns ended up matching. The Pacers still have $29 million in cap space. And since then, we've learned that the Pacers are very willing to give the Lakers Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. It will just cost the Lakers both of their first round picks, the 2027 first and the 2029 first. Um, So that's pretty much where everything stands right now. I guess my question to you is, where do you stand on all of this? Uh, Maybe we can start with, let's start with the Indiana trade package in relation to the Kyrie Irving trade package. I think at the time, both you and I saw it as a backup plan. But now that you know that it will also take two firsts, I think the market is telling the Lakers that it's going to take two firsts regardless. But where do you stand in relation to what are your thoughts on the Indiana Pacers trade package and then how that relates to the Kyrie package? I'm assuming it's still Kyrie Irving number one for you and then Indiana number two. And then are Miles Turner and Buddy Heald worth two firsts in your eyes? Yeah, um, I agree that I would still prefer the Kyrie package uh, just yeah, we've talked about it, I think, at nauseum at this point, and people know. But uh, as far as fit goes, um, what he just brings to the table, uh, it's very enticing, right? Um, however, Buddy Heald, Miles Turner, if the market is dictating, you know, two firsts, you could be stubborn and say no, and then wind up with nothing. Or essentially, you can pivot and make your adjustments, cut your losses from there. And ask yourself, well, if these are two evils, which is the lesser of those two, right? So I, I don't know at what point a person comes to terms with those things, with you know the Lakers brain trust, so to speak. Um, I think we are probably all feeling fatigued at this point when it comes to holding on to those so desperately. I myself am like, you know what, F it. <laughs> Like, I'm not disciplined as a fan to want to hold out because what good does it do for me to hold all that tension in my mind and in my body, right? Um, And Alan, can you also outline what that second evil is? I feel like we haven't mentioned the elephant in the room. It's it's Russell Westbrook, right? It's like whether we go into training camp with Russell Westbrook and the Lakers, it has been reported that the Lakers still prefer a Kyrie Irving trade, but they are willing to head into camp with Russell Westbrook on the roster. So I guess you can bleed that into your thoughts here. Yeah, all we got to do is watch like a little bit of highlights, you know, from last season. <laughs> <Or> lowlights. <laughs> lowlights, exactly. <laughs> just watch like 15 minutes, you know, just some random clips uh, of Russell Westbrook out there. And it doesn't even have to be his most egregious, you know, bank shots that go off the shot clock above the backboard. It could just be him falling asleep on defense, whatever. Yeah, we don't need to stress about all that now. So that is the uh, most evil of the evils um, on the table. So do you really want to keep that 2029 first round draft pick just because and you'd rather have Russell Westbrook because of it uh or do you want to wipe that portion of our slate clean you know and have something that's more uh practical and appealing and a better fit yeah to work with this season and uh when when 2029 when the end of like this decade (laughs) comes like we'll worry about it you know at that point LeBron's gonna be like long retired and and everyone's gonna be in many different places in their lives so uh yeah that that's where i'm at with that so practically speaking even taking apart your you know fan fatigue like initially when you saw miles turner and buddy healed because i remember when i talked to you that last podcast i didn't even think the pacers would accept 
uh, two firsts and Russell Westbrook and give up Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. And now we've learned, oh, they're willing to do that deal. I think from my end, it's like, there are some concerns, obviously, Miles Turner's injury history, Buddy Heald's age and not never having been to the playoffs. And, you know, again, now that he has like another year next year, that matters much less with LeBron James extension. But even with all the worries, to me, it's just like, even if you think that they aren't necessarily worth those two firsts, you put the premium on the timeliness of this deal and when it happens, right? Because if it happens before training camp, that's added value. Right, you can almost like mind meld yourself into thinking that way if you don't believe that Miles Turner and Buddy Heald aren't necessarily worth two firsts. You can say, but they are worth two firsts when you take into account the fact that we're getting things sorted out early. We're entering into the season off on the right foot versus the cloud of Russell Westbrook. You mentioned the on-court stuff, Alan. I'm not even talking about the on-court stuff. I'm talking about the intangibles of how he ended his press conference, how he continues to like tweets on Twitter about how he was wronged and woe is me victimization angle that he has, seems to have even on Twitter and the toxicity going on in the background with what happened to his agent. Like, do you really want to bring that into training camp no matter how you know optimistic Darvin Ham may be in wanting to harness Russell Westbrook's best abilities? Because... For the most part, Russell Westbrook and this city of Los Angeles do not mesh. And God forbid he starts opening night and the city of LA at Crypto.com Arena boos the hell out of him. You hate that for Russell Westbrook as the person. You hate that for what it's doing to our entire franchise. So like taking the fan fatigue out of it, initially when you thought of Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, were you like, yeah, I'd give up the two first. And then even when you thought about it a little more, even if you got to a place where you're like, okay... Maybe they're not worth two firsts the way that Kyrie Irving is worth two firsts, but taking into account the fact that we could get this done sooner, I'll do it for that for that alone. Yeah, I don't know if prolonging what I hope is the inevitable is very beneficial. Like, who's going to budge at this point, right? I, I think all the pieces are set right in front of you. You just now need to execute and do it. Um, you're, you're absolutely right, though, when it comes to almost forgetting that we are we would be potentially shedding Russell Westbrook from this team. Like we're talking so much about the first the two first round picks and it's like yeah and you're also removing a player who does not fit here, who seems like doesn't really want to be here, it seems quite untenable and this is just what is best for both parties. Period. Um yeah. So I, I think that Thank you for reminding me that Russell Westbrook is also <laughs> part of this deal, that this is not just about two first round picks. Yeah, no. And it's just, again, you're making things a whole, you're Marie Kondoing your team, Alan. Everything is a lot less cluttered. Everyone will be on the same page. Even if you're a little bit iffy about the fit of Mouse Turn and Buddy Heald, you know Darvin Ham will have him from day one versus we can always kick the can down the road and say, what if we get a better deal for a better player with these two firsts? Yeah, but what if we don't? I mean, that's that's the opposite end of the spectrum. At least here, you're straightening everything out from the beginning, and you can incrementally work your way to a place where you have a cohesive team by midseason. And then if you still want to make a trade, regardless of whether you have first or not, you can continue to tinker from that point on. So I think I agree with you there. Before we, we take it to another break, uh, one interesting thing that I want to ask you about, though, is, you know, at this point, I think we're all in agreement that the potentiality of a Kyrie Irving trade largely rests on what the Nets do with Kevin Durant, right? So 
With regards to the Kevin Durant to Boston angle, what are your thoughts on KD going to Boston and the Nets getting Jalen Brown? Are you okay if KD goes to Boston if it means the Lakers get Kyrie as a result of that? I know. I think we talked about this last time, but it was KD going to Golden State. Yes. And it's like, well, what the hell is the point, right? Like, they are just going to be even more of a juggernaut now. And are we going to beat them to represent the Western Conference? Um, yeah, so it, it's kind of like if KD were to go to Boston, <laughs> well, at least it's not blocking us from making it to the NBA Finals, as would be the case with Golden State. Uh, so we could get one step further, right? Now, if we got to face them in the finals, I mean, just for the pure everything, right? Like, that's pretty freaking awesome. I don't know. The storylines, the epic Hell poetry, yeah. yada, yada. Oh my gosh. Like, there are so many different, you know, um, narratives. And like you said, storylines that you could run with, whether it's Kyrie KD, LeBron KD, like all of that stuff. Um, and that's out of our control anyway, right? So, like, if it ends up clearing the way for us to get Kyrie, yeah, shit, that's in our best interest, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I cringe and I'm terrified at the thought of Kevin Durant pairing up with Jason Tatum, you know? That's like, oh, God. But, uh, hell, that's it's pretty freaking exciting. Why not bring it on? Because then it's like, okay, so what? We got We got LeBron, we got AD, we got Kyrie. I mean... That's quite formidable, too. Yeah, we, we shouldn't be too intimidated by, you know, what Boston might end up having. So Exactly. And as you mentioned, at least it's not happening in the Western Conference where we have to face them four times, three or four times out of the year. And you mentioned Golden State, but, you know, the Phoenix Suns were KD's preferred destination. If he went to the Phoenix Suns, that would be scary as hell, too, you know? So at least he's going to an East Coast team. Granted, it's Boston, our most fiercest rivals. But the fact that we're both stuck at 17 championships and it's the race to 18. I mean, how poetic would that be to face each other in the finals? And then outside of that, Alan, given Kevin Durant's shady bipolar history, I also wouldn't totally rule out the fact that he actually hurts the Celtics chemistry-wise, too. So, I mean, this could be a you know inside man job sort of thing from KD the same way that Kyrie Irving pretty much what Kyrie Irving did to the Boston Celtics when he left them high and dry. So, I mean, we could hope for that when that happens, if it happens, right? So at at this point, I like it for both teams. I like the Nets building around Jalen Brown. I think that's the best, you know, sort of wing option that they can get on the trade market. The New Orleans Pelicans don't want to give up Brandon Ingram. I think for both parties, it would benefit them equally. So I would like to see it happen mainly because the Lakers would get Kyrie Irving. Um, Okay, so to close this episode, let's talk about, you know, the quote-unquote other trade options that the Lakers insist that they have, according to Dan Wykey. So apparently the Lakers insist that they have other options that they can go to outside of the ones that have been reported, i.e. the Kyrie Irving trade and the Indiana Pacers trade. Now, Alan, even if the Lakers have other options and they can vaguely lay it out as much as they want, by simple process of elimination using salary salary cap context... You can pretty much just determine who those other options are, and it's pretty much the options that we've always been talking about because Russell Westbrook makes $47 million, and if you're trying to dump him, there are only a few teams with cap space out there who can realistically take him on or have the salary ballasts of players that they can exchange for Russell Westbrook's contract. So namely, those teams are, again, none of these will come as a surprise to you, the Utah Jazz, 
the Charlotte Hornets, the New York Knicks, the San Antonio Spurs. Out of those teams, the Spurs are the only team that have copious amounts of cap space, like the Indiana Pacers do. Um, I know the Lakers have had interest in a guy like Eric Gordon from the Houston Rockets, but if they pull off an Eric Gordon trade, they almost have to do it separately apart from a Russell Westbrook trade because the Rockets are capped out and they don't have enough salary ballast to include to an Eric Gordon trade to take on Russell Westbrook's contract. So it would have to be like a THT and none for Eric Gordon trade. So we're not even going to talk about that. We're talking about the Utah Jazz, the Charlotte Hornets, the Knicks, and the Spurs. The Jazz, Hornets, and Knicks all have multiple players making, you know, 15 to $20 million that they can sort of pool together and send our way and then take on Russell Westbrook in exchange for like a draft asset, right? So let me break it down a little further for you. So when it comes to the Utah deal, let's say it's still going to take two first round picks to get this package from Utah because, Alan, we're dealing with Danny Ainge here to think that we'll come out of this only giving up one first while they take on Russell Westbrook, I think is very naive. So just assume that the Utah trade is going to require for us to give up both first. So the Utah trade involves some combo of Bojan Bogdanovic. He's 33 years old. He's on an expiring $19 million. Malik Beasley, 25 years old. He's making $15 million this year and has a team option next year for $16 million, essentially an expiring. There's Pat Beverly, 34 years old. He's an expiring $13 million. Mike Conley, 35 years old. He's making $23 million this year and has $14 million guaranteed of $24 million next season. And then there's Jordan Clarkson, 30 years old. $13 million this year, player option for $14 million next year. Um, the Charlotte package involves some combo of Gordon Hayward, 32 years old. He has two years left on his deal this year and next year, making about $30 million per um, and then there's Terry Rozier, 28 years old. He has four years left, making around 22 to 23 million each year till 2025-26. Then we've potentially got Kelly Oubre, who's 26 years old. He's on an expiring 12.6 million. And then I highly doubt this is possible. Maybe you can get PJ Washington, but given the fact that the Charlotte Hornets pretty much lost out on Miles Bridges this offseason due to his you know, reckless and unfortunate life choices, I don't think they'd want to give up P.J. Washington. So the Charlotte package would involve some combo of Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, Kelly Oubre. And I guess the added benefit here, Alan, is you may be able to get away with only giving up one first. The next package is the New York package. Maybe you can get away with only giving up one first as well, but their combo of players include Julius Randle, 27 years old. He's going to turn 28 in November. Four years left, making $29 million in his last season, 2025-26. That is a hell of a lot of money for a would-be 32-year-old. Anyways, Julius Randle and then Evan Fournier. He's going to be 30 years old at the end of October. Two years left with a team option the third year, making $19 million. And then I guess the prized acquisition here would be Cam Reddish, 23 years old in September. He is an expiring $5.9 million this year, but he's going to be a restricted free agent with an $8 million qualifying offer next year, and the Lakers, if they get him, would have to pay him a new deal. You could maybe also add Derek Rose here, 34 years old in October. He's making $14 million this year, and then he has a team option of $15 million next year. That's the New York package. San Antonio Spurs package. So the San Antonio Spurs, they have a lot of cap space to work with and they can just ingest Russell Westbrook. Maybe you can get away with only giving up one first as well. 
The only players of interest for the Lakers would be Josh Richardson, 29 years old in September. He's on an expiring $12 million. Um, And then Doug McDermott. He's 30 years old. He has two years left, making 13.75 each year. Maybe you tack on a Trey Jones, who's on a $1.7 million non-guaranteed deal this year, or a Keita Bates-Diop, who's on a $1.8 million non-guaranteed deal this year as well. But essentially, this is a a Russell Westbrook salary dump. Out of this group of other options, the Utah Jazz, the Charlotte Hornets, the New York Knicks, and the San Antonio Spurs, do any of those, I mean, just in a vacuum, looking at those four teams, which one piques your interest the most? And then we can sort of relay it back to how you feel about those in comparison to Kyrie Irving and the Indiana trade package. Probably Utah. So uh, mm-hmm. probably not a coincidence that that's the first one <laughs> that you named. I think uh, you have more flexibility going forward with the players that you're getting back in comparison to a lot of those other ones. I hear some, you know, four years, you know, Terry Rozier, <laughs> four years, Julius Randle, stuff like that. Um, it's just funny that, you know, Charlotte... As Terry Rozier, they gave him this big deal, and now there's the possibility of just wanting to get rid of him. Um, perplexing, for sure. Uh, so, yeah, Brian Windhorst, something's going on in Utah. Like, that whole thing, right? Like, <laughs> it's a gift that keeps on giving. Um, <laughs> that one is is interesting. I, I think that there are it's a lot of, um, like, skill players, you know, who have, like, very well-defined specialties. Mm-hmm. Even Jordan Clarkson, who's a guy who clearly, yeah, we know that guy's game like real good. Um, <laughs> like he's he's that microwave scorer. Like that's his role. Um, Boyan, same thing. Like guy's a shooter. Uh, he's a sharpshooter. Period. Um, Arguably better than Buddy Heald because he has more size at six seven, six eight. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that Utah would be the one that uh, I would have the least, like, uh, okay, kind of reaction to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, do you give credence to the fact that the Utah Jazz combo will still likely require two firsts? Right, right. Um, I know, effing Danny Ainge. Um, I think I have a similar thought with regards to this package as I would the Indiana one, where, like, you know what? If that's what it takes, I, I think I would rather give up that other sec- that other first round pick than take on like Terry Rozier or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have no interest in only giving up one first, maybe keeping another first to get Gordon Hayward, Kelly Oubre, or Julius Randle, Fournier, and Cam Reddish. Those others are just very uninspiring when it comes to winning now. Yes. And, you know, I will say, even if you plan to, you know, try out Julius Randle and rehabilitate him back to his, you know, all-NBA team season a year or two ago, I mean, just the fit around LeBron James and I Anthony know. Davis, so you weird. may, you may, Alan, you may have to give up a first to get off of him in a year or two, you know? Yeah, so it's like yeah. you get rid of another one of your firsts anyway, so why not use both of your firsts now for a package that you actually believe in, right? So... In summary, Alan, where would you rank the Utah package? And you can pick out your best combo here, whether it's Bojan, Pat Bev, and if you want Mike Conley, or Bojan, Pat Bev, um, Jordan Clarkson, any one of these you know, players. Um, the Utah package, your best version of that, juxtaposed against the Kyrie Irving package and the Indiana Pacers package. How would you rank those? Uh, Kyrie's still number one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, between Indiana and then some version of that Utah deal, uh, 
Um, actually, that's that's a tough one. I, I think that you know the name like Miles Turner is super appealing, right? Because he's an all star and Buddy Heald's got the Kobe connection, and you know he was super clutch and like everyone got to know him in college when he was at Oklahoma. And I think there's just that like um, face value sort of mm-hmm. uh, appeal. But if you really start to think about it, the Utah package I think could put up a good fight. Um, in some ways, that one feels less volatile and more secure. <laughs> actually, like there, I, I think there are less question marks. Um, mm-hmm. I would not be disappointed if the Indiana package, you know, were to fall through by any stretch. But I'd be like, all right, you know, we'll see. Um, so feet to the coal, Alan. How do you do two three? But you gotta you gotta decide at the end of the day. Um, let's go indie for the potential, the upside. Nice. Okay. So that is exactly my line of thought because the Utah jazz package gives you a little bit more depth because you're going to get three or four players, right? You're going to get shooting shot creation, but so the floor there is established, but with regards to the Indiana Pacers trade package, Alan, there's a ceiling there you can hit with Miles Turner and Anthony Davis, given the fact that we've seen Anthony Davis play very well next to another big man. And I'm not just talking about JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard during their championship days, but also when he played with DeMarcus Cousins in New Orleans Pelicans. Anthony Davis had his best scoring season that year. And that's just talking about scoring. But the defensive potential of Miles Turner and Anthony Davis together, you know, forming that back line where everybody else gets to play free safety, including LeBron James, that to me is so tantalizing that yes, yes, there are more concerns, injury concerns, whatever, but I would still go with that upside a little bit more than I would the Utah Jazz package because the other thing to note about the Utah Jazz package is everybody is like mid-30 years old here. Bojan's 33, you know, uh, Pat Bev is 34, Mike Conley's 35 if you get him. Jordan Clarkson surprisingly is 30 years old. It's crazy. Um Hey, man, what you trying to say? You guys are older than me, man. <laughs> you you older than 30 years old, bruh. Hey, that's true. Um, Malik Beasley, if you get him, is only 25. But otherwise, that's a, a whole slew of guys who you may only really use for the next year or two. Whereas Miles Turner is only 26, 27. He could pair up with Anthony Davis for the years to come, provided he's healthy. And Buddy Heald is always a piece that you can use on your team. So, yeah, for those reasons alone, I think I have the Indiana Pacers package slightly above the Utah Jazz package if, at the end of the day, all these deals will require two firsts. So, yeah, we'll see what happens, obviously, with LeBron James' new extension. Hopefully the ball gets rolling and one of these three deals happen. Of course, we'd love for the Kyrie Irving thing to happen first, but we will not be upset if... The Utah Jazz package happens or the Indiana Pacers package happens because that means no more Wild Wild Westbrook. Uh, but with, with that said, we will leave it here. Make sure to check out Nisei Week, Nisei Weekend at Little Tokyo this weekend. And Alan, I will catch you next time. All right, man. See you later. Peace. Bet 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.